Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, we are on our, our theme. I'll put it over this side and I'll go back a little bit so the folks up here can see it. Um, we're on our, our theme, as you know, uh, do it again, Lord, in our time. And the key verse for that is Habakkuk, um, or as the Americans call it, Habakkuk. Um, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let's pray. Father, um, we come before you and before the people again today uh, with your word, and we pray, God, that you would help us to teach it wisely and strongly and truthfully. We thank you for it. We thank you for the power and the anointing of it. Thank you, Father, that um, the power... Um, will come and move in every life in this place. And we ask you that by your spirit that you would fill us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, find myself more and more recently, uh, this is a confession, more and more recently avoiding the news. I know I shouldn't, but I get a little bit frustrated. And because... Uh, and, uh, Sometimes as I watch the news at the minute, I feel everybody has lost their mind. And um, it sort of feels a bit like that, doesn't it? It feels like um, that's what's going on. And, and as I've watched the election and all that went on with the election, and we've all put our axe down and did what we felt we needed to do, I find myself more and more realizing that the greatest hope for the world today is the church. And um, the Church of Jesus Christ. And if you have never had a soul-transforming experience um, in your life, with Jesus in your life, then you are in trouble because there is nothing else out there offering hope today. There is nothing else out there. Um, Al said this, I think, last Sunday night, that um, the, 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 the social structures around us in culture are crumbling by the day. And so what I want to do tonight is talk to you a little bit about this here, about the resting presence of the Holy Spirit. In the history of revival, and Al's done a great job around presenting to us revival, and really important that we understand that, but when, when, when we study past revivals, we see that revivals come and they go. They come and they go. There's these sporadic moves of God. People get saved, and it's wonderful, and we want, of course, we want to see it again in our time. but there, And we hear people say this sometimes, so oh, that person just needs a touch of the Holy Spirit. The thing that I find when I read the New Testament that there weren't, it wasn't just sporadic moments. The Holy Spirit just didn't come. I hear other people pray this prayer, and I prayed it myself. I'm sure, Lord, give us an open heaven. Give us an open heaven. But you see, we have an open heaven. The Holy Spirit came 2,000 years ago. He's never returned. He's been here 360. doesn't even take Christmas Day off. He's here all the time, ready at any moment to fill us. So we have an open heaven. And so this idea of history, revival coming and going, we've got to ask ourselves the question, why? Why does revival come and go? Why did the Revival that started on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. Why did it stop? Well, um, there are various reasons why it stopped, but one of the major reasons is because people try to control it. We are control freaks, and we like to control it. And there's something about understanding the presence of God. When I, um, if, if, whenever I read John 15, a passage like John 15, I think if you, well, it all depends what version you're in, but in the ESV, between verse 1 and verse 10, you have 10 abides. 10 abides in 10 verses. Abide in me and die in you. Abide in the vine. Abide in me. Whoever abides in me and I abide in him, abide, 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 abide. You can see that the resting presence of the Holy Spirit, that God doesn't want to just come and touch you tonight. He wants a place to dwell. 
The Holy Spirit's looking a place to dwell, not somewhere just to come and go. And so when it comes to revival, we need to understand this. One of the key verses for this is found in Genesis 8. Um, whenever the flood happened and Noah was, um, the waters began to recede, he sent out uh, a dove. And he put the dove out, and of course it says here that he sent forth the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground, but the dove found no place to set her foot. Interesting, isn't it? And um, the dove is a, a clean bird, all right? It symbolizes peace and rest, and it wouldn't settle on anything that wasn't clean and pure. And, and so this idea of understanding the power of God, because the dove is symbolic also of the Holy Spirit and is looking for somewhere to set her foot sad in the day in which we live when the dove can find no place to rest. And so what I want to do tonight, I want to talk to you tonight, and then we're going to worship, but I want to talk to you tonight about what that place would look like. What, what sort of a life and what sort of a place would the Holy Spirit abide? Where would he come and rest? his foot? Where would he come and abide? At this time of the year, we're thinking about presents, we're thinking about what to buy for people, and we're thinking about what we're going to get. It's also my birthday month, um, so at this time of the year, I'm thinking about presents, all right? And, and often, I, I think about this, and I preached on this um, verse that I'm going to read in a moment or two before, um, but oftentimes, I think at, at this time of the year, what could I give God for Christmas? What could I give him? Now you might say, well, that's a bit of a strange question. And, and, and you know that often we talk about this idea of devotion. Somebody bought me a new one of these the other day. Let me see this. I'm excited now. Oh, no, it's not just as good. Um, <clears throat> no, back to me old. Um, uh, um, when, we, when we think about, when we think about if, if, if we looked at that and we called that devotion, and I, I talked to you a little bit about this before as well, but, and we looked at 1 and 10, the devotion continuum, and I asked you where you were devoted, where, where does your devotion lie? You would maybe say, well, Phil, at the moment it's been a busy year and, and, and stuff has happened and all kinds of things have come and gone and my devotion level is a little bit low. Maybe you might say it's a three or a four. Maybe you might say it's a five. You see, when it comes to the early church, when revival actually happened, what it says about them was they were devoted. Acts 2, Acts 2, 42. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the five things, to fellowship together, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were devoted. And here's what happened. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And then it says this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So these people were devoted. They were way out here. They were way out in a devotion limb. They were out high up. And so my question to you as we start off, because um, the Holy Spirit is going to land. He's going to land on people who are devoted. My question to you as we start tonight, what is your devotion level? You say, well, what could I give Jesus at Christmas? Well, there's loads of things. The, the psalmist said, ascribe, which just means give. It's another word for give. Ascribe, give to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in splendor and holiness. On and on we could go. We were built to worship God. That's, our, that's what we were made for. We were made to worship God. And this body of Christ, this church, the vehicle, um, which God has ordained to reach the world, and that's why it's good to serve in it. That's why it's good to support it. And God made each of us with unique talents and unique abilities, and, and, and every one of us have at least, I'm sure, one spiritual gift and probably many, many more. And we get the most joy and we get the most pleasure when, when we make the, and we make the biggest difference when we use our God-given talents and abilities to build the church. So what can we give them? What could we give God? And so tonight we're going to ask ourselves about that. 
at the tail end of 2019, what would please him? As we put presents around the tree, what could we put around the throne? And then we'll unpack that a little bit. Now, there's a verse, I put it on the screen, three verses that you'll recognize right away. And um, it's in Matthew 2. And uh, again, many of us understand the story of the Magi that came to visit Jesus. Um, highly unlikely that Jesus was just this little small baby at this time. He was probably, could have been anything, up to two years of age. Um, they had saw a star in the east that followed. They're highly unlikely. There was three of them. We talk about the three wise men just because they give three gifts. It's highly unlikely there was three of them. They usually traveled in twelves, we're told. They were very, very wealthy, could have even been kings. Um, they came from the east, so that's somewhere like Iran or Iraq, probably kings in Yemen or somewhere like that, and they'd traveled a long distance, and they'd traveled for a long time, and they came to find this baby, and uh, they, they, they give some things that we're going to unpack tonight. They give more than just three gifts. They give, I'm going to suggest to you that they give six, and um, and it's interesting, actually, when you read about the Magi, Matthew's the only gospel that talks about this. There's none of the other gospels actually mention it because Matthew is the gospel of the king. And of course, these are kings coming to anoint a king. And Matthew presents Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament hopes, whereas Mark betrays him, we looked at that a while ago, as the suffering son of God who offers himself for the sacrifice of sins. In Luke Jesus is the Savior for all people who brings salvation to all nations and to all people groups there. What's known as the Synoptic Gospels, there are the three similar stories from different personalities. And then you have John, which is a standalone gospel. And in John, Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the self-revelation of God the Father. And so it's interesting that Matthew's the only one actually mentions this story. And um, and so what I want to do, I want you to, if, if you have your Bible and you want to mark it in your Bible, it might be really good to look at these things because um, I'm going to draw them up on the board first. So the first thing I want you to see tonight is the first thing it says that whenever they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and it says they fell down. They fell down. I'm going to suggest to you tonight that the first gift that they give was total surrender. Total surrender. They fell down. Something happened at this moment. They came in. They see this child. And I believe this year, if God was looking a gift from you, and he was looking somewhere or some person where the Holy Spirit's feet could rest, it would be a person who was giving their total surrender. A few years ago, I remember having a conversation with God about this in one of my one-to-one -one times with God, and I felt God challenged me about being full-time in many times, and being full-time in many things, like a full-time pastor, but a part-time worshiper. I remember feeling the pain of that. It wouldn't do any of us any harm to get rid of some stuff out of our lives. We get all cluttered up, and, and our surrender is minimal. And maybe this is something that you've never done. And maybe tonight it might even be a starting point for you where you would come tonight and say, I want to give him my whole heart. I can tell you this tonight, that the dove can rest on a fully surrendered heart. The dove of the Holy Spirit can rest on a fully surrendered heart. And then it says this. It says that they fell down and they worshipped him. I'll call it adoration. They fell down and they worshiped him. They give him their adoration. See, they're giving more than the gifts that we often talk about. They fell down and they worshiped him. They're, they're adoring him. What is the thing that you're worshiping tonight? What is the thing that you talk about most? What is the thing that is dearest to your heart? What is the thing that you give most of your heart to? That's a good indication of what you worship. I, I often think sometimes of the things that I value. I value it when people remember my name. I, I value it when people love me, when they spend time with me, when they share intimately with me. And I begin to realize over the years that the things that I value are the very things that God values. He values those, and, 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 and he values worship. And I get a little bit worried when, 
And I know worship's more than music. I understand that. And worship's more than singing songs. Worship is a lifestyle. But there's something about worshiping God in song because worship is an intercession. And so I get a little bit worried when people check in 15, 20, 30 minutes late to church because it's just the worship. I begin to, it irks me a little and it hurts me a little because I think it hurts God because, because Jesus actually said if we don't worship him, if we don't give him our adoration, that he would, he would even get the very rocks to cry out, that the stones would cry out. And then what happened was um, when, they, when they give their total surrender, you'll see the verse, they, they came in, they fell down, they worshiped him, and then they opened their treasure Oh, interesting, isn't it? They opened up. They opened their treasure. Hard to give stuff out of something that's all locked up, isn't it? It's hard to give something out of a a locked treasure chest. And what I find is that um, I meet so many Christians that are all closed up. The shutters are down. They tell me they've been hurt. They tell me they've been abused. They tell me that someone cheated on them. And you need to listen to this and you need to hear this. You are a treasure unto the Lord. And God is looking some stuff out of that treasure. (laughs) He has placed some things in you. And yes, society will hurt you if you live long enough. Everybody in the room has been hurt by someone. And we can pull the shutters down and say nobody's at home and you never go out and nobody ever get in, but you just live a sad life. And nobody ever grows around you because you never give anything away. And so here they're coming in, they're, they're, they're giving their total surrender, they're adoring, they're giving their full worship, and out of unlocking their chest, something begins to happen. And all of you, as I say, have been through something that maybe just has tapped you into something of God that others need a piece of. And out of your hardship and out of your difficulty and how you've dealt with it, then you begin to minister, not out of your hurt, but when you've dealt with it and you've worked through it, then you begin to realize how you can give. And so your loyalty and your sincerity and your service and your love and your kindness, all things that you think maybe are quite mundane, are the real treasure unto the Lord. And when you totally surrender, fall down and worship, then your treasure is easily unlocked. I love this little quote of Tozer. Well, I don't actually. I find it difficult, but I think he's right. (laughs) Tozer's usually right in most of the stuff he said. He said this, is doubtful the Lord will use a person until he allows them to be hurt deeply. (laughs) Seldom will the Lord use a person until he allows them to be hurt deeply. And so out of that treasure, out of that treasure, which is your life, which is your hurt, your difficulties, your hardships, things begin to flow. And the first thing you know that came out of the treasure chest was gold. And I began to think about this, I began to think of God's looking my gold and I'm in trouble. And, uh, and uh, of course we know that gold is the most precious thing that you could have. And every single one of us, probably it's a little bit different. What is your gold tonight? What's the thing that's most precious to you? What's the thing that nobody could buy off you because it's not for sale? For me, it's my time. For me, it's my passion. For me, it's my discipline. As I say, you couldn't buy these off me. They're not for sale. This is like Mary's um, ointment. This is like Mary's nard. Very, very costly. Something that's pricey and unreasonable. Something that people would say, what a waste. What a waste. God's looking the things, something that you need to sacrifice for him. This, this gold that he's looking out of your life, something that's actually difficult to give that you need to give to him. He's looking at all. Because you see, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not really Lord at all. And so we need to give them our all. And so they, they give their gold. They give the thing that was most precious. And then they give this um, thing called frankincense, and uh, frankincense is a resin. You know this, I'm sure. It's a resin that comes from a tree. And uh, how, they, how, they get, how they make frankincense is they, they, they scrape the bark off a tree 
and the, t- the, the tree bleeds. This is what Wikipedia will tell you. The tree bleeds, and when a tear forms, when a tear forms, they take the tear, and out of the tear, they make frankincense. Now, it could mean a dozen different things to a dozen different people in the room, and probably does, but to me, um, I, I felt over the last couple of years, God said to me at this time of the year, Phil, give me your frankincense. What does that mean? Well, see, I'm quick to tell you my, my good stories. I'm quick to tell you my successes. I'm quick to tell you the things that worked. But there's loads that hasn't worked. There's loads of things in the book that um, if you were writing it yourself, you would have left those chapters out. There are loads of tears, you see. There are loads of, 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 of sad stories and brokenness in all of your life, not just mine, but in all of your lives. And so as, as, as we come to this point to find a place where the Holy Spirit can rest, God's saying, I want your total surrender. I want your worship. I want you to open up that treasure that I've given you. I want the thing that's most precious and I'll even take your brokenness. I'll take the sorrow. I'll take the, the things that didn't work. I'll take the tears. I'll take the disappointments. I'll take the bad stories. Amazing, isn't it? And then they, they did a, it gets, it gets gooder. Um, they, they give him, I just had to look and see how to spell it. Um, I was, there we go. Myrrh, myrrh. Myrrh. And myrrh is a resin as well. Again, if you go to good old Wikipedia, you'll find that this here, similar, is a resin. And the only, the only thing that's different about myrrh is it's black. It's known for its black color. And uh, as I began to think about that over the last wee while, I began to think of, of, of how God wants our total surrender. He wants our worship. He wants our treasure. He wants our, our, our things that we hold dear. He wants our, our tears and our brokenness. And he even take our sin. Isn't that amazing? I used to think if the Holy Spirit would rest if I just give him all the good things, God says, no, Phil, I, I want everything. Even, even your sin. Even the black stuff. Even the stuff that you wouldn't like the person beside you even to know your thought patterns, your wrong emotions, your wrong thoughts, your habits. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus died for our sins. And as we come to, to present ourselves, our dark side, as we, we come to present ourselves before him, we give him everything. We give him the whole thing, my secret sins, wrong thoughts, things again I say that I wouldn't want anybody else to know. Now, don't be getting too pious on me because I know some of you are looking at me really strangely, but we're all the same. But you know what? I'm redeemed. Redeemed, the new creature in Christ Jesus, called to the lost and the broken in, in, in our spheres of influence. Why? Because we were all lost and broken. We were all lost and broken. We were all sinners. But, but we... We, we become powerless if we don't allow ourselves to give all of this to God. And as we give all of this to God, then we become a place where the dove can actually rest his feet. I love this. I love this. Now, um, when that happens, when that happens, then this happens, right? Imagine this. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. You see this? Signs and wonders are performed through your, the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that experience was like where the the building began to shake. Warwick would be calling in the engineers tomorrow, wouldn't he? Imagine if the building began to shake right now. And, and it most certainly is a place where the, 
where the dove actually begins to settle. The, the dove's resting. And we become this people, you see. What happens when we give all of that to God? We become this people who are away up in the devoted continuum. And we become people who begin to sell out to God. And God uses those significant, actually uses insignificant moments, I find, insignificant moments to become significant building blocks in our lives. We're all looking for the big thing. And God's using the little insignificant moments to make to become significant building blocks in our lives. So don't waste your moments. Don't waste your moments. Learn how to rest in the presence where your awareness of God is ever present. And, and, and our goal as believers is intimacy and fellowship with God. That has to be our goal. And as you steward these moments, as you steward these moments, you become aware of circumstances and situations um, that God has provided where these significant opportunities arise for you to capture and let me say this, that busyness always wars against the awareness of God. Busyness always, it always wars against your awareness of God. Everyone seems to be in a hurry. And today's, in today's lifestyles, there, there never seems to be enough time in the day to accomplish all that we desire to do. And we're chasing our tails a little bit. And, and so what happens is you get into the New Testament, one of the things that the transfiguration taught us, and we've taught on this several, several times here in church, is it gives us a snapshot of the renewed mind. Paul talks about this verse in Romans 8. We'll throw it up on the screen in a moment. He talks about the carnal mind, a carnal mind versus a spiritual mind. And a carnal mind is a mind that relies upon its own reasoning. It's a mind that, that, that relies upon its own understanding rather than having the mind of Christ. Carnal, the word carnal actually just means fleshly. It means worldly. It means um, self-absorbed. It means your own appetites and desires and sensual pleasures and just merely human and temporal, really. A mind that is not sanctified, a mind that has not been infused by the Spirit of God, will lead one to draw from their own conclusion that becomes their understanding. They live by reason. And, um, and when we begin to rely on our own mental power that's not sanctified by God, then that just leads to works of the flesh that um, Galatians 5 tells us about. So the carnal mind that is directed by its own reasoning and understanding can't do the things of God because it's hostile to them. And we've got a war against this. We've got, to, this. we've got to work so hard. Here's the verse. Paul talks about this. He says, to be carnally minded is death. That's pretty strong language coming from the apostle Paul. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, he says, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. When we're operating in the flesh, we cannot please God. God's calling us to a higher level, warring in our mind with a person or situation. We've all done this because of an unresolved issue. Just leads to mental and emotional meltdowns that opens the door for all kinds of confusion and, and vain imaginations. And you ever found yourself... You ever found yourself engaged in a battle with someone, um, with a person uh, or a situation that just consumes all your time and your energy, and it's all you ever think about or talk about, and that's, that's I suppose, a mode of, of really, really stinking thinking, really, and when our, when our mental wars against that, it's just a flesh thing. And the Bible, Paul is calling us here to, to set ourselves above that because he's saying, Carnally minded is death. He's saying carnally minded is enmity with God. So what does a spiritual mind look like? Well, a spiritual mind is simply means that our thoughts and our imaginations and our reasonings are sanctified. And that just simply means that we begin to allow God to direct our, 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 our thinking and feeling about a certain person. If someone's giving you grief or someone's just really annoying you, and we all have them. Believe me, we all have them. 
I won't point anybody out. All right. But, but about a certain person, event, or situation. And, and it's in this ability that we need to see with the eyes of the Spirit. We need to actually start to get spiritually minded. We need to have the mind of Christ. Dave talked about this this morning. And it's the ability to see with the eyes of the Spirit and, and we rest in His presence. And it allows us to walk by the Spirit in faith. It's beautiful. There is something so beautiful. And when, because you see, I think when people think about the works of the flesh, they think about people who maybe live in adultery or, or in idolatry or something like that. But you see, here's the thing. A carnal-minded person can be born again, minister in spiritual gifts, attend a church faithfully, but rather than cultivating the nearness of God's presence, they, they're just walking in their own understanding. And they're walking in their own reasoning. And this is the curse of death that he's talking about here that actually is coming from a back. You know what actually, I was, I, was, I was thinking about this this week. It's actually the exact same thing as Adam and Eve done. It's eating from the knowledge of, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're just saying, well, I'll work this out. I don't need God. I'll work it out with my own wit and my own, my own knowledge. I, 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 I'm a smart boy. And, and, and what we do is we eat of the, the we, we partake of the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and rather than the mind of Christ. That's imparted to us. And we position ourselves through our own mental, emotional response, attitudes and mindsets for either success or failure. So what way are you thinking? Because if it's carnal, then you just disengage yourself from God and you respond to your own self and your own doing. And it prevents you from entering that place of rest and peace that the Bible talks about. And the dove cannot settle there. I, I love this. The Bible actually says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. One of the most difficult people to deal with are not people who are unsaved, but often those who are believers who have just got critical and judgmental and those who believe that because of their own knowledge and wisdom that they're spiritual and they're not a bit. And so I sense over the last number of weeks or months that we've been journeying on the whole theme of revival that God's looking to rest. I, I feel the enemy knows that. And I feel the enemy has upped the ante in some of our lives. Even against this place, I felt it at times. I felt an enmity. I felt a, the enemy coming against it. And so what's happening is that God's trying to uh, open up a womb, I think, where dreams are born where we begin to see the Spirit move in a whole new way, where we begin to understand that, that if, if we're going to see this happen, that our lives need to be lives of total surrender, that our lives need to be lives that worship God with all of our hearts, that no longer do we live this closed-up life that nobody gets a part of us. We lock ourselves in, but rather than that, we open ourselves up and we begin to give sacrificially to God, even our brokenness and our sin and all of the stuff we hand it over and we allow him to take control of our lives. That's the sort of a person where the dove can land. That's the sort of a place where the Holy Spirit can land and take up residence. Why? Because it's a mind that's sanctified, set apart and moving for God. And if we become this type of people, if we become this type of place, then the Holy Spirit rests and abides. You see, I don't want it to be a, a fleeting moment. I don't want us, to, we, we, we talk about this, that renewal happens in the church, but revival happens in the community. And so God renews his people to revive a nation. And uh, I, I want to live through that day. I want to live through that generation with the, all the younger ones here who, who, who we, where we see not just, not just tens and hundreds, but we see thousands come to know Jesus 
think the enemy wants that? Of course he doesn't. He hates it. He hates revival. He hates renewal. He hates the fact that we're contending for something. He hates the fact that we're fighting through, that we're warring against our own flesh, but warring against the enemy who seeks to, 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 to stop it breaking through at this time. And so that's why we felt over the last number of weeks especially that we just couldn't move on from this. We felt that there was something here that we just needed to lay a bit of groundwork to see as we move into a, a new decade, 2020, believe it or not, um, in, in just a few days as we move into that new decade to see what God really wants to do. And if we're going to be that people that we've come to this place where we give it all and we land ourselves into the place where the Holy Spirit can be ours. So what I'd love us to do tonight, I'd love us to respond to that if we can. Guys, maybe lead us in worship. And um, I'd love us just to take a little bit of time tonight, not to prolong it, but to hear and allow the Holy Spirit to move in this place. For Al and I and Dave were talking at the the beginning of last week, and we were just chatting about how... um, in, in church life, we love to reason things out, don't we? We love to have rationale. We love to think, how, how does this work? How does that work? How does, and, and we're all looking rationale. And you, 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 can't, you can't rationalize the Holy Spirit. You know, when they, when they moved into the tabernacle, when you went into the tabernacle of old, Moses' tabernacle, the first thing you came on was a, a brazen altar. And it was a place where they sacrificed and after the, the, they'd done the sacrificing at the brazen altar, you moved on to a thing called the laver. And the laver was made out of looking glasses. It was made out of, out of women's looking glasses, out of burnished bronze. And they would beat it into a, a, a bowl. And it, it was a place where you washed. It was full of water where you washed. Do you know that in all the details of the tabernacle, in all the details, everything's detailed to them, to the minutest degree, but there's no dimensions for the labor. Doesn't tell you what size it was. There are absolutely no dimensions for the labor. You know why? The labor is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. No dimensions. Doesn't tell us what size it was, but when you washed in it, you could see yourself. You looked into the looking glasses, into the burnished bronze, and you could see yourself. And what the Holy Spirit's looking us to do tonight, he's looking us to look into the mirror of his word, as it were, to see ourselves. And as we come into this time of the year, pretty hectic time, maybe office parties, I don't know, all the things that would draw you all the wrong roads, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to an office party, but you know what I'm saying, where the tendency is to relax a little, The tendency is to chill out a little bit. The tendency is to let yourself go. Can I ask you to think about your devotion? Because tonight, God's right up here. He's madly in love with you. Has been ever since, even before the foundation of the world according to Ephesians 4. Amazing, isn't it? Ephesians 1, 4, sorry. Madly in love with you, all right? Jesus, madly devoted to you. Give his life for you. Give his life, became flesh, lived in this world, man amongst men. Give his life, bore your sins in his body, fully devoted. Holy Spirit, turned up 2,000 years ago, hung about ever since, could have went back any time. He's here, here tonight, fully devoted, sold out, right up at the top of the devotion continuum. Paul would say when he writes to the church at Rome, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice unto him. For he says, it's the least you could do. It's your reasonable service. Let's pray. I'd love us tonight in the square.
I'll turn the, uh, the page again. Might be around devotion tonight. Maybe just a, a realigning your devotion to Christ and your devotion, your devotion to him. It might be tonight that something just needs to be given up. It might be tonight. Maybe, maybe for you tonight, just it's been all closed up. And for years, God's been calling you to give, but you've just never been able to give because someone's hurt you, someone's let you down. And tonight, you just need to release that onto God. You just need to give him your frankincense. You need to give him your disappointment. Maybe for some in the room tonight, it might be just something that has just, just held it back. It's kind of funny, like in all of our lives, isn't it? Sometimes it can boil down to one thing, can't it? Like if I were to say to you tonight, what's the one thing that could rack it all? What's the one thing that could topple your testimony? What's the one thing that, that you would... I, I would say 90% of us all in the room, self-included, could, could write it down right away. One thing. That's why the writer, the Hebrew said, to be careful of the things, the little things that easily beset you. It's not the big things. Not the big things. It's not... It's the little things. It's the little things that nobody sees. The little things that... Nobody knows, only you, and, and you would never tell anybody about it anyway. And tonight, God just saying, what about, what about stepping over the line tonight and just saying, oh, man, it's come to the tail end of 2019. It'd be lovely just to step into a place of total surrender, wouldn't it? It'd be lovely just to worship him fresh with an open treasure chest, saying, God, whatever you want, I'll give you. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. So let's take five, ten minutes. We're early. We're 22. So let's take and we'll finish early. We'll finish in good time. But let's take ten minutes or so and let's worship. And, and let's start gravitating. There's something about response. Everything ever I got from God, I responded to. I responded way back in 1965 when an old brethren preacher read Acts 16.31, my favorite verse, explained to me the message of salvation. And as a little boy, I made a response at the end of my mom's kitchen table and I asked Jesus into my heart. I responded. I was 33. I was standing on the top of a tank. I was a lorry driver for many years and standing on the top of a tank in Belfast docks. I felt God speak to me about the Spirit for many, many months, and I'd been seeking and praying. And um, six o'clock in the morning, I was standing on the top of a powder tank, and I felt God say to me, Phil, will you give me all? Will you give me all? And I remember saying the words out loud. I remember saying, God, I'll give you all. And when I responded in that way, something happened in my life that changed my life forever. Wrecked my theology. Absolutely wiped my theology out in a moment. But it was beautiful. And it came through response. So there's something about responding. And there's something about moving. And there's something about stepping into something. And I believe tonight as you step into this significant moment and up into this place, this here is a place where I think the dove can rest. Not looking you to be perfect. He's just looking you to be available. He's just looking you to be available. A little saying that ability without availability is just a liability. Loads of people with loads of ability, but no availability. And tonight, God's saying, will you come? Will you come on the journey? Because if you step, I'll step. So let's stand and let's, let's start to worship. And again, I say, our prayer ministry guys are at the back. And, and as, as we move up into this space and worship, then maybe filter around and pray for you if, if that's what you desire. 
and let's just see what God wants to do in the next few moments, all right? So God, just come. We invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you. We say, would you come? Would you, would you make this a place where you can rest tonight? Would you make this spot a place, God, where, where when people come and surrender fully tonight to say... I, I, even tonight, just to step up my devotion. I just, I need to go from a, a three to a six. I just need to go from a six to an eight or whatever. I just need to step up my devotion afresh to God. May that be our place tonight. Let's, let's move. Um, there's a sense that God wants to move tonight and uh, Sonia was saying all day she said this feeling of heavy rain and just that the Holy Spirit wants to rain on you tonight and I love that just a, a fresh move of the Holy Spirit upon your life and maybe you're just here tonight and you're just feeling dry and a bit empty and busyness has taking charge and it's just a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and I do sense that's in the room tonight so I'd love us to sing this again and just allow that presence of the Holy Spirit 
to rest, to rest, to rest and abide on you. Allow him to come. Allow him come with a, a measure of expectancy just for God to move right now. Let's worship again. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here. Come bow before Him now in reverence
had a, a, a picture as we worshipped of, of chains falling to the ground. I felt I could see like shackles being undone and chains, like chains just falling to the ground. And I actually feel it's for one person specifically. I know it could be for many, but I feel that oh, there's, there's, I feel there's a specific person in this room tonight and God, you've been bound up, locked up in chains of oppression. Might have come through a hurt or through something in your life, but you've just never been able to let it go. And tonight, God, I feel like tonight God's saying this is your night. This is the night that he wants to set you completely free. God, I just pray right now for that freedom in Jesus' name. I pray for that freedom in Jesus' name, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And God, I pray that as people step into that freedom, God, tonight, God, that they will know the resting presence of the dove in a way that they've never known before that they will know the resting presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives like never, ever before. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Father. Jesus. Holy. Thank you, God. Shackles are gone. Shackles are gone. Your shackles are gone.
as Phil was speaking about the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling with us, what I feel God was placing on my heart was that as the Spirit dwells with us and it becomes a desire of our heart to sit at his feet, to dwell with God, to contemplate his beauty, to find rest in him. that's what we can do tonight. God, thank you for that. Thank you that we can find rest in you, that we can be still in your presence. Come, God. That's us finished for tonight. We're going to carry on worshiping a bit. Um, and the prayer ministry guys will still be here. So if you want to stay and worship or to have anybody pray for you, then you're more than welcome to stay. If you need to leave or if you want to go out and grab a tea or coffee, then please feel free to do so. Um, but yeah, thank you for coming. Um, but feel free to stay along if you want to. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.